the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Hello, my Bethany friends. We continue in our series on finding peace in the valley. In step one, we choose to admit our addiction, our obsession, our sin, that we are powerless over these things. And as a result, our life is unmanageable. In the second step, we choose to believe God, who is greater than ourselves, can actually restore us. In step three, we choose to surrender our life and our will fully to the care of God as we understand him. In surrendering, we discover that God does not reject us. In fact, he loves us and he accepts us. We discover that God is for us and not against us. We discover that God is safe to be with, and therefore, we can begin step four. In step four, we choose to take a fearless moral inventory of our life. We inventory honestly and completely what is inside of us both the good and the not good, from our experiences, our attitudes, our relationships, our resentments, our successes, our failures, our joys, and our sorrows. And then we arrive at a point where we believe we have completed step four. It's been challenging, and it's been painful to remember some things that are the junk of our life, things long hidden, It has also been rewarding to remember again moments of wonder and awe, the successes and delights of things long forgotten. Now it's time to continue the adventure toward sobriety, toward healing, toward wholeness by taking step five. In step five, we once again choose to admit not only to God, not only to ourselves, but also to another human being, what we've been about, who we really are. Step five, we admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Sounds daunting. This is where we open the long closed windows and doors that have kept people out, lest they really know us and possibly reject us. It's time to air out these places of mold and mildew, the secrets that have held us back and made us smell, smell badly. As we embark on step five, this challenge of self-disclosure, let us join together first and pray the serenity prayer. Join with me. God, grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as we would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if we surrender to your will, so that we may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Understanding step five. 
Well, first, remember that the early church was under severe persecution. Persecution from their own families, for example, because they believed Jesus as the Messiah, and that to their family was blasphemy. It was worthy of death at the time. Instead of killing them, they chose to recognize them as dead, and they banished them from their home and their community. But there was also persecution from Jewish zealots who believed that they were a cult that must be destroyed. Many people, like Saul, hunted them down and brought them before the Jewish council. Some were martyred, like Stephen. The account of this is found in the seventh chapter of the book of Acts. But there was also persecution from the Roman Empire because they gave allegiance to only one God, and it wasn't the emperor of Rome. Many Christians were killed at the insistence of Romans who had been given the authority to set an example of those who did not worship the emperor of Rome as God. Because of the persecution, many new Christians, nearly all of whom were Jewish, fled Jerusalem and went to some of the smaller towns in Israel and around the Mediterranean basin. There was a degree of safety, basically anonymity there, but there was also no church to give them support. The early church was also under severe temptation, temptation to deny or at least hide or privatize their faith because of the persecution, and temptation merely by living within a culture that was seriously self-indulgent. And because there was no church outside of Jerusalem at the time, these Christian Jews who had fled from the persecution also had no church that would stand with them and hold them close and accountable against the temptations of the day. It was to these persecuted and tempted Christians who had fled Jerusalem that James, Jesus' half-brother, wrote this letter, and in it concluded these words, Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. James 5.16 from the message. James clearly understood the importance of community. These Christians must find each other and be together. James also clearly understood the importance of confession especially the importance of confession being made to another human being. In our lives, apart from God, we have worked hard to control what others will see and hear and come to know about us. We develop strategies to keep secret all those things that we are ashamed of, those things that we know are wrong or are unresolved. And even after doing our inventory and identifying those things, we find it difficult to actually say them out loud, but we must. There will not be any peace within us until we do. As a bottle of soda will not release its pressure until it is open, so a person will not find release from internal pressure until they open up and speak the truth about themselves. The remainder of this message is about how we practically do what James wrote to that early church that was dispersed. Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. So working step five, 
There are three steps to be taken in opening up and letting go of both the stressful pressure in our lives and the secrets that cause them. The first, praying your completed inventory to God. Now is the time to step into new territory and say aloud to God exactly what we have written in our inventory. Schedule undistracted time alone with God. Time where you can confess to God all that we have worked so hard to hide. We've finally come to the place where it's no longer necessary to blame anyone, God or anyone else, for what has happened to us and within us. We accept our history for exactly what it is, and we take responsibility for how we've responded or reacted to the events and the people in our life. Get comfortable. Make a space for God to be present with you. I recommend that you have a chair facing you and either imagine God sitting across from you in that chair or put a picture of Jesus in the chair so that you'll be speaking with him. And then start with a prayer, one that you've prepared to pray. And I mean really prepared. So often I hear people say they so are troubled by people who write out their prayers. It's not spiritual enough. My friends, it is spiritual enough. Perhaps you can try something like this. Lord, I'm now ready to reveal myself to you openly. Please help me to believe that you will still love and accept me after you hear all this. I believe that you already know me completely, but I must say these things anyway, because saying them will release their negative power in my life. These things have kept me from being completely surrendered to you, Lord. These things have held me back from being the person you want me to be. These things are what your son said he died to forgive and remove from my life. I surrender myself and my will into your care and keeping. In Jesus' name, amen. That was a prayer I prayed on one of the times when I shared with God my inventory. But also speak out loud your inventory to God. And do not speak in generalities like, I've lied, I've said bad things about other people, etc., etc. Speak in specifics like this. I cheated on my income taxes when I claimed some deductions I really didn't have. I did it in 2014 when I claimed a trip that really wasn't for business. You know that trip to Disney World. I did it again in 2020 when, and fill in the blank. I have such a jealous attitude about Bob. I've told lies about him to make him look bad, like when, be specific, like, I'm not a problem solver, I'm a problem blamer. I either have an excuse or I have someone else to point at. I don't resolve things, I pass them off. I don't take responsibility for my actions and then be more specific about what those actions might be. It is highly likely that emotions will surface during this experience. That's what happens when we do stuff that is powerful and cleansing. The Apostle John wrote, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1.9. The tragedy is that many Christians, and especially Protestant evangelicals like us, believe that this is enough, 
that confessing our sins to God is enough, that God, who is the only one who can ultimately and permanently forgive, is the only one we must confess to. But that is not true. That kind of thinking makes no practical sense. It would be like saying that because God is the only one who truly heals us, I will therefore only go to God when I am sick and injured or need surgery. Our attitudes and our behaviors affect not only God and us, they affect people around us. This matter of God-only confession falls far short of what is needed for our wholeness and for our relationships. Remember, James wrote, confess your sins to each other. But before we speak about each other, we have another area to address. Speaking the inventory to myself. We began with speaking our inventory as a prayer to God because God is safe and, after all, we've turned our will and our life over to him at this point. So God is first. Now it's our turn with ourselves. I'm to speak my inventory to me. You're to speak your inventory to you. This is probably the least threatening part of step five and can be done with the least risk, but that does not make it easy. We have become so skilled at avoiding and denying, justifying and excusing, we can easily gloss over our true selves to ourselves. That is something we can't let happen. I must now face myself and admit to myself the exact nature of my wrongs. I must admit to myself my flaws of character, my flaws of judgment, my flaws of attitude, my flaws of behavior. Here's some practical tips. Sit comfortably in front of a mirror. This allows you to see yourself as you speak to yourself. Speak out loud and speak slowly. This helps you have time to actually hear what you are saying, being able to note any deeper or additional understanding that might occur. Doing this will release emotional baggage that you have carried for a long time. You will find yourself exhausted, and you will find yourself relieved. The writer of Proverbs captures this experience. Listen, he who conceals his sins does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Proverbs 28, 13. Even though the release and relief are wonderful after praying and speaking our inventory, we are not finished. There lies in front of us perhaps the most challenging part of step five, sharing the inventory with another human being. This third phase is an essential, and ultimately it is the most powerful. It is a true exercise in humility and will help us more than anything else to break down our deceptive defenses. From personal experience, I tell you that as good as praying my inventory to God and as good as speaking aloud to myself, it's only when I spoke my inventory to another human being that I found the peace of God and the peace in my own spirit begin to take true hold in me. Here are some guidelines I have found to be important. Choose someone who is familiar with the 12 steps. You are not telling your inventory to someone to get their advice but to hear your confession. Someone familiar with the 12 steps or trained like a Stephen minister will know this and will only listen and ask for clarification. 
Choose someone who will listen, is patient, and who is perhaps further along in their relationship with God. I've known people who have chosen those who are less powerful than they are, and they use step five to try once again to manage their own life. This is dangerous and will thwart the journey toward sobriety, toward honesty, toward wholeness, and toward serenity with oneself. If you are a man, do not choose a woman. If you are a woman, do not choose a man. This is very personal, intimate information and creates a vulnerability for both you and the one listening. Do not take the risk where such intimate details might go with someone of the opposite sex. And choose someone who will be God's spokesperson. The role of the listener is to seek understanding in your confession and then communicate God's unconditional acceptance and theirs also. I have often heard people's step five. I encourage people to at least consider choosing a clergy person for this step, but one who is familiar with the 12 steps. The first time I took step five, I not only spoke my inventory to God and to myself, I spoke it with three important people in my life at that time, a doctor, a therapist, who helped my clearly me clearly clarify and understand my flaws. A clergy friend who accepted me and has held me accountable ever since. And Carolyn, my wife, who accepted me and has held me close ever since. It was good to tell my doctor. It was better to tell my friend. It was completely humbling, but best of all, to tell Carolyn. Do I need step five? Remember again what James wrote. Make this your common practice. Common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you can live together whole and healed. If I'm to be healed, I, I need step five. If I am to be made whole, I need step five. If I'm to live together with you in a healthy relationship, I need step five. Last Sunday, we noted that there are shadows in our life. The inventory we took in step four began to identify those shadows. In step five, we name the shadows. We take responsibility for them. And we begin anew to place ourselves directly under the light of God where the shadows will diminish. In The Hiding Place, Corey Tenboom writes about the place where many Jews could hide from the Nazis during World War II. The hiding place was a place of protection, a place of safety. Hiding is sometimes necessary. But in step five, we discover that safety in our lives is not found in hiding our sins, but in confessing them and putting ourselves under the protection and safety of God and another godly person. May God help each one of us discover the dead end of hiding our flaws and the door to wholeness and holiness in confessing them to God, to ourselves, and to another human being. Amen. <laughs>